What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm going to tell you. It's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when that time doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goombahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step through a unique, never-before-tested formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery, of not knowing who's reading your books, of losing 50 to 70% of the hard-earned money you make through book sales, Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readerships. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Today's episode, however, is a return to the library series. Uh, Before I dive into that, I want to let you know, ammo, good, bad, and otherwise. I have been with the program since February of 2023. Uh, At that time, I had The Nine Lives of Marvita Longhai published and nothing else in fiction. Uh, Once I joined the program, it became quickly evident to me to make it work best. I needed multiple books. Despite being told that pre-orders were not the best way to go, I didn't have any other way to sell books. And so I launched a three-book pre-order. I devised the titles for the series that would follow the Nine Lives of the Marvel DeLonghi and uh, offered the Eight Ball Magic of Susie Q and the 24-7 of a Russian named Bruskov, both on pre-order at uh, a $9.99 deal, a $7.99 deal, and several other uh, price points trying to get some traction with that. Um, I tested not revealing that it was a pre-order, and then every time I would get a sale, letting that person know immediately that two of the books they just purchased were pre-orders, and I'd be happy to take a full refund for it that I was testing. Nobody took me up on that offer, and so I I slowly started to realize that most people aren't too bothered by pre-orders since then. I am among the least successful people running an ammo funnel to direct sales of my books, but I am selling books and I'm gaining a list and I'm just barely losing money sometimes and just barely making money other times. So far, I have spent in excess of $8,000 on all of the marketing that goes into Ammo plus the program itself and the different resources that you need. And I have made $7,851. I was profitable before this last week. I tried to shortcut. Uh, I was running a $40 ad a day. I jumped into $100 ad spend a day and had some mixed results that obviously took me a little bit backwards. So trying to tweak and revise and see if I can fix it. It's a lot of stress, folks. If you are an author who wants to be full-time, 
Well, February, March, April, May, June, July, that's six months, half a year. I still am not making enough money from this to live full time off of my books, but I have sold thousands of books and that's exciting. And a lot of authors don't have the ability to say that. Now, people inside of Ammo are putting me to shame. I've had many guests on the show who are selling thousands of books a week. And that to me is the gold standard. I really want to be there. So if ammo sounds like something you're interested in, I want you to check the show notes in the description of this show. If you're listening elsewhere or just listening passively, I would highly encourage you, instead of doing the video version of this podcast where you just get to stare at this mug, go ahead and find me on Substack. I'll have a a link in the show notes to that. And listen to this podcast with your ears. Don't necessarily need to watch it with your eyes. I don't bring a lot of value. I just want to have this extra opportunity for you to engage with me if you prefer to use YouTube. I really highly encourage you engage on Substack. I have a large, robust listenership over there. People are commenting, very successful authors, emerging authors, everything in between. We're having a deep conversation about these things. And if you're new to TRBM, then I want to frame up what you're about to experience. I am on the journey to being a full-time author in every sense of the word. Right now, I have the ability because of investments earlier in my life and having no debt that I am pretending to be a full-time author, but my income is not where it needs to be. Also, I do this podcast, so that does account for some of the income that flows into my family system and enables me to make certain decisions. Every time you join Ammo, I get, well, anyways, every time you join Ammo through this podcast, I should say, I get a little bit of uh, an affiliate commission for bringing that to you. You'll notice it's the only thing that I sponsor. It's the only thing that I tell you to buy. It's the only thing that I talk about in terms of money on this show because I believe so deeply in the system and I've tried a lot of other stuff. So take that for what it is and let's dive into this week's library update. This is TRBM a podcast for authors who are serious about earning a full-time living selling books to readers. I'm the host, Jody J. Sperling, and each episode, I'll share with you practical tips on marketing and selling your books. And I won't hold anything back. Sometimes I fail. Every time I do, you'll know it. Sometimes I succeed. And when I do, I'll give you my step-by-step replay so you can succeed too. Thanks for listening. Okay. What I did was a while ago, I brought you an episode about Findaway Voices. So you need an audio book in order to join Findaway Voices. The the you know the, the the website name I guess is Findaway Voices, so you would assume that it's for voices, your books being voiced. Because that's the case, if you don't have audiobooks, the thing I would encourage you to do is get audiobooks quickly. You can do so pretty inexpensively, or you can spend more money to get an audiobook. It really depends on what you want the production to be. But in my case, I would need to sell somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 copies of uh, my audiobooks in order to break even on my investment before they start to be a pure profit object for me or an asset for me. With that in mind, I think you could pay half that amount of money, have an audiobook that you own, and still get it out into the world. The audiobook has to be ACX 
approved, which is just the system that Audible uses. There are some audiobook companies out there that you can purchase from that don't necessarily use the same ACX standards. But as a general rule, if you want to take this seriously, make sure the recording quality is ACX approved. The reason I say that is because the lowest cost, highest time that you can do this for is to record the book yourself. And some people are naturally gifted, like my sometimes co-host and host of his own podcast, Rich Hosek, who has a great show, Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. It's wonderful. If you haven't listened to it, please do. It's fiction podcast. Really enjoy it. Cannot multitask while listening to it. It's one of those podcasts that needs your full attention. Whereas I think you can multitask with my podcast because I repeat myself a lot and I do that on purpose. (laughs) I love listening to the podcast while I'm doing other things. And so the ones that work best for me are the ones where I can track and not necessarily be 100% engaged. Uh, Does that mean the content's lower quality? You decide. With an audiobook, however you get that done, Findaway Voices allows you to distribute widely to all kinds of different avenues. Uh, Of course, you're still going to see a big boost from having your book available on Audible. There are a ton of people who are signed up for Audible and they get a credit or two credits up to four credits a month uh, and they will apply those credits to your audiobooks. There's a couple things to keep in mind. I know this doesn't sound like it's library relevant, but we're getting there. Audible is the cheapest way to acquire an audiobook right now. And so people who use their credits, you're getting paid a pittance, sometimes uh, as little as a dollar per credit that is used for your book. After everybody else gets their fingers into the pie, you get about a dollar remit, sometimes up to two, but it's not very much. And that's going to come into play here in a second. Okay, so that's the biggest place that usually most people are going to get their audiobooks right now. However, uh, well, at least pay for to own. That's That's where we're going here. Barnes & Noble, uh, Libro FM. there are so many other places where your audiobook can be distributed by Findaway Voices. I'm not going to read off the list, but if you check out Findaway Voices, you can see all the places that you can have distribution through. Now, the big one, we've talked about this before too, is Hoopla, Libby slash Overdrive. Okay, Hoopla is its own thing, and then Libby Overdrive is its own thing. Libby Overdrive is for libraries specifically. Hoopla is for libraries specifically. They're two different models. I've talked about this before, so I'm going to be more brief and go back and listen to previous episodes that are aptly titled so that you can figure out what you're diving into. With Overdrive, it's a one-time purchase at about double the cost of your audiobook in order to bring it into the library system, and then it can be lent out once it's a single copy. It exists as a copy in the library's catalog, and people have to get on a wait list in order to read the book. You can use Libby and Overdrive for eBooks as well. So if you already have eBooks, the best way to do that is to distribute it through Ingram Spark. I knew I would get it. Distribute it through Ingram Spark, and then a lot of libraries will have it available in their catalog, but what you have to do in that case is convince the library to purchase a copy. The fastest way to do that is to get a patron at that library to request the book through the app. And right now that means just notifying a little bell. You push a little bell and it tells you, I want this book. That's how my books were purchased here in uh, several different Omaha area or Nebraska area libraries is just 
I myself, and uh, in one case, my wife too, just recommended the books. The library saw that they had a couple of recommendations, picked up a copy, boom. Then I was able to go out, talk with the community, people who actually live in Omaha and say, hey, by the way, you don't know how much this could make a difference in my life. I would love it if you would go ahead and put a hold on my book. Even if you don't plan to read it, which I would love if you'd read it because the book is set in your city, but even if you don't read it, putting a hold on that book gives me the appearance of demand. And we all know that where there's demand, there's going to be supply. And so you can get that one book in, it's a little fish hook in the pond. Suddenly you've got a big fish and boom, you know, you put a lot of leverage behind it. Okay. I don't know where this is going to land because fishing doesn't make more baby fish. But anyways, the point is <laughs> that if there's, if there's demand, there's going to end up being more fish in, in the pond. So it's the worst analogy. I apologize. All right. So that is the uh, Libby Overdrive model. That's how to get books in, have them requested. You also can send in, like my guest, Eric Otis Simmons talked about, and thank you all of you listeners who have bought his program to start getting your books in libraries. I would love to, to list off people, but I don't want to leave you out if you didn't. So I'm going to say nothing about anybody, but I know who you are and you know who you are. And Eric is grateful. He's thankful that you're buying his library product. It is super awesome. You're helping out a great guy and you're helping your future out. So he does have a product where you can get up to 8,000 different library contacts. And that's not terribly, in fact, it's it's underpriced. I'll be honest. You don't pay enough for what he gives you. Now, using it correctly is a different story. And he does actually have a hold your hand kind of service where he can help you get rolling if you need that. Uh, I would encourage you to take advantage of it if you need to. That's out there for you. Now, that's how you get books into libraries. You can also use his product to get your physical books into libraries. I really like digital for a couple of reasons. One, it's really low effort to get digital copies into a library. Two, it's really easy to get mobilized. People are more likely to download an app and request a book than they are to get in their car, drive down to the library, put a hold on a book and wait for it to come in, then drive down to the library, pick up the copy, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you've got to be talking to real currently mobilized library patrons if you want that model to work. They already have to be going there. And then you just have to raise awareness around your book, which is a great thing. We will talk about it in the future at the point when I get there. But right now I'm really working on Libby Overdrive, Hoopla through Findaway Voices and Ingram Spark. I hope everybody's following um, I have talked about this enough that this is somewhat of a refresher, but the reason that I'm setting all of this up and, and I'll get to it in a second is because I have some news to report on how it's actually working on the ground level. Before we get there, let's do a quick refresh on how Hoopla is different than Libby Overdrive. With Hoopla, once Findaway Voices makes your book available with the Hoopla service, every single library that partners with Hoopla across the world. And this is something I actually didn't know recently, but there are libraries in Germany, England. I mean, most of all of Europe is going to have a smattering of libraries that are actually partnered with Hoopla and have English language content. That's a big deal because your book can actually be international through Hoopla. That's just something you can say, I guess, to advertise, to be like, hey, international best-selling author, if you're actually best-selling. But international selling author is still kind of cool, uh, unless you have a grandma in a different country, and then you're just family author. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So with Hoopla, 
The book is available immediately. You don't have to do any of the hard sales pitch. You don't have to know anybody. You don't have to leverage anything. And apologies if you hear my kids in the background, somebody's killing someone. And I don't know uh, how long it's going to take before the other brother's dead, but it's a, it's an all out war. It sounds like um, they'll resolve it and we can clean the blood up later. So the book is available for anybody to listen to or check out again. Uh, Ingram Spark does distribute to Hoopla as well in terms of the eBooks. So my eBooks showed up in uh, Hoopla first and I was already checking them out. Now what's really cool and other people too. I'm gonna, come on, I'm gonna pay myself. Of course, I'm gonna check out my own books. Yes, absolutely I am. Um, that's money in my pocket and it's still, it's optics. I can rate my own book on Hoopla, which is really cool. I can give it five stars. So do you think I did that? You bet I did. <laughs> I worked hard on these books, guys. Like I know that they're the best quality they could possibly be. And so I'm going to give myself five stars for, for my effort. You decide for yourself, listen to it, read it. Okay. So with Hoopla, once it's available, it's available everywhere. No sales pitch needed. All you have to do is raise awareness and say, okay, if you live in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I am saying this to any listeners who live in Lincoln, Nebraska and are listening, if you haven't checked out my book through Hoopla and you have a library card, shame on you. You need to check out my book, even if you don't read it. Hey, like I said, optics, awareness. The thing is, my book is absolutely perfect for some readers, and it's not the right book for every reader listener. It's not. I want it to be. In my mind, I feel like it should be. I don't know how Stephen King has such mass appeal, but they're like, he touches uh, like faith spectrums. He touches political spectrums a little less so recently. He's gotten curmudgeonly in his his, his latter years, sadly enough. Um, you know, but I mean, and, and, and fantasy and horror and literary, the, it's just amazing. Okay. I have to gush on Stephen King in every single episode of this podcast. So I've uh, achieved that. If you look behind what is my right shoulder, there is a uh, a portrait of Stephen King, kind of like a caricature that my wife drew based on the work of David Levine. He was an amazing cartoonist, sadly passed away. Uh, and above that, there's David Foster Wallace. Um, so if you're only listening, you can't see him. Check out YouTube, I guess, or don't. Like I said, this is this podcast honestly is really meant for listeners. Uh, and then you can read along in the Substack show notes. Best to read along in the Substack show notes, comment there, build some relationships with authors. By the way, if I haven't pitched this enough or the right way, if you're not engaged on Substack, all you have to do is wherever you're listening, there will be a link. You click on the show episode, it will open up a bunch of words that are called notes. And inside the notes, there is a link that will say Substack. You click the link that says Substack. It will redirect you to an app or a website called Substack. That's strange. Inside of that will be my show. All the shows are listed out just like wherever you're listening right now, or if you're viewing on YouTube, everything will be there for you. You can click the episode and it will open up a page, kind of like a blog post with a whole bunch of printed information that is not just supplemental, it's additional. It is, uh, I dare say, fundamental 
to your experience with TRVM. If you're not engaging in the show notes, you're only getting about 50% of the content. There are real seasoned veteran authors who are commenting on every episode, sharing their experience, what they've done that works, what they have done that has failed, uh, talking each other up and building relationships. And those relationships then go on to other authors, supporting other authors, buying their books, making others aware about their books. I cannot tell you enough how many books trade hands, sales are made, relationships, beta readers, alpha readers, proofreaders, editors, all kinds of stuff are happening. And most of it is happening through Substack with people who are engaged in the comments. If you're an author and you're not engaged in the comments, you're missing out on one of the richest groups the world has ever seen. Okay, that's probably a slight exaggeration, but it is rich. Get in it, and it can even be better with you there. All you have to do is click borrow, and you can listen to the book through Hoopla. You can read the ebook through Hoopla. And every time somebody borrows the book through Hoopla, yeah, you're paid somewhere in the neighborhood of a buck. Let's just say it's a dollar per borrow. The library is paying Hoopla for that pay-per-click use of the book. So a thousand people can read it at the same time. The library doesn't need to carry a thousand copies, but what does happen is that you make a thousand dollars if a thousand people read it. That's pretty great. We covered early on how many library patrons there are that are actively using these services. So if you were to be a great top tier selling, excuse me, borrowing author at a library, you're talking about monthly uh, income from something like Hoopla in the low six figures. That's a very reasonable amount of money that would be coming through libraries to you if you are engaged and activated through libraries. I don't know about you, but to me, that would be a life-changing amount of money. And so I highly encourage you to get that audiobook recorded. The eBooks are great too. You can use uh, Ingram Spark, get your books uploaded there and then have them distributed Awesome, awesome, go get them done. But the truth is when it comes to audiobooks, and if I haven't said this before, I know I have, remember that audiobooks are the most expensive way to read books. And so people are always looking for more inexpensive methods. And what's more inexpensive than free? Nothing. So it's free to the user, but it pays you a dollar. Everybody wins. The library exists because government funding largely because of government funding, which means that your tax dollars are actually going back into your pocket. Whoa, my mind was just blown. All right. So what do I have to actually update you on this whole process? Well, what I have to update you on is that I have been able to use Facebook groups across the country. Uh, and there is a tool. I will have a link to it in the show notes specifically for Hoopla so that you can see counties in every single state in the U.S. and across the country, uh, excuse me, across the 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 world where uh, these libraries are partnered with Hoopla. What that means is that you can very specifically target groups on Facebook. You can drop into that group. You can reach out to the admin and say, hey, I just want to let you know my book is available through your library. I just would like to drop a post for awareness. 
anybody interested in reading, in my case, uh, detective fiction might want to use their local library to check my book out today. Drop a link. I have had tremendous success doing this. Now, I'm not able yet, or I haven't found yet where I can look at my downloads through Hoopla, but I'm getting confirmation. I'm getting likes. I'm getting interactions in all of these different groups across the country and um, Germany and England so far where people are like, hey, I'm really excited to read your book or that sounds so cool. Thanks for letting me know. Um, and, and so it is a lot of one-on-one -on -one individual kind of work, but as those posts go out there and the awareness builds, well, you look for the ripple effect. And as far as I know, I am getting really good checkout numbers through doing this. When you consider that you might have your book on Amazon for 99 cents or $1.99 or $2.99, uh, when you look at the actual royalties that you get per use of that book, a dollar per read is not so bad at all. And today, Hoopla is not making me a living. But today, Hoopla is giving me hope. And that's really important for a guy who continues to struggle with ammo, even though I love it. Isn't that funny that I sponsor ammo on my podcast? I believe in it as much or more uh, as, as the library method. And yet, I'm struggling with it. You need multiple avenues. That's a really important piece of the pie here. Don't ever rely on one thing. I think that too many authors have become deeply dependent on the Amazon model to sell their books. And I've seen authors who have been shut down. I've seen authors who have been jerked around, manipulated, uh, all kinds of different things. And if, if Amazon was their only way to engage, one, they weren't getting customer information. And so when, when they got shut down, they had no way to reach out to their readers. They had no effective way. Um, having this as an option for you libraries cannot be shut down on you. Um, you would have to do something egregious. And I'm just positive. If you're listening to the show, you're not the type of person who does egregious things. So use Hoopla to reach out to local communities. That's your homework for this week. Use Hoopla, reach out to local communities, try again to start local, everything like right where the book is, where the author lives, use that tool to generate some checkouts and some awareness, get people activated and interested in your book. What you're going to do with that later, and that's not homework for right now, it's homework for later because right now you just need to build that awareness, get those checkouts. What it's going to stage for you is the ability to then reach out to the library and say, hey, I know that you use Hoopla. I wanted you to see what's happening here with my book. Would you consider picking up a copy for Libby for those of your patrons who prefer that service, and it's just a cheaper way for you to have that title available to people. Um, and, and let me tie that up really quickly. I personally lean toward using Libby first. My reason for that is because everywhere I've ever been, and I do have multiple Hoopla libraries where I can borrow books at this point, has a limit on the number of checkouts I can get per month with Hoopla. Because of the way that I read I always read more than the possible checkouts that I could get through Hoopla. So if I can find the book on Libby, I check it out on Libby. If I cannot find it and I'm desperate to listen to it, I will check it out on Hoopla. But there are plenty of times where I have to wait till next month even still because I've exceeded my borrows. 
that's why you want your book in Libby. Plus, it's just a it's a full sale. You actually get the price of the the total sale of the book as opposed to that single thing. It only happens once. Um, or if you're very popular, sometimes libraries will pick up multiple copies. But generally speaking, you're going to get a larger amount of money fewer times with Libby Overdrive. But it's still great. And once you've had those checkouts through Hoopla, the the library can look it up right in front of you and go in and be like, hey. This is available at your library through Hoopla. I just want you to run a quick search. Look how many times it's been borrowed. And they'll say, oh, wow, it's been borrowed eight times this month. Yeah. So if you buy a copy on Overdrive, then you own that copy. More people are going to check it out. You have another way. And I'd love you to consider picking up a copy of my paperback, which I published a correction in my show notes two weeks, uh, two episodes ago. So a full week ago, um, Eric Otis Simmons reached back out to me because we'd been going back and forth about this. Like the digital assets that a library purchases are anywhere from two to four times the cost uh, of the actual retail price. I confirmed with a librarian, that's the case. And I also confirmed, and this is the correction that he reached out to me with. And I wanted to make doubly sure that you're aware of print material is the opposite. Libraries are going to buy print materials for a 10 to 40% discount. So if you are selling print books into a library, whatever retail is, you want to take at least 10% off, optimally 40% off to make your book most appealing. That can be a little bit difficult because you're obviously not going to make as much money. I was I was a little surprised to find that out because again, it's it's not so different. Where I think that the 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 change comes in, and this is what my local librarian Rosa said. So thank you, Rosa, for helping me clear this up. Thank you for helping Eric and I uh, see where our confusion was. Um, libraries tend to buy print books in bulk, so you will have maybe a library consortium uh, or just a grouping of libraries that buy together that that use their combined buying power, and so. You might go to the Nebraska Public Library system and ask them to buy your books. And they'll say, yeah, we'll do that. And they will buy 15 copies of the print to distribute to rural libraries across the state or 100 copies to distribute across the state. It could be just that quick. Um, and so that is the power of print. And because they do that in mass, then they're going to buy it for 10 to 40 percent discount, which makes it more affordable for them. And this is the other big piece of it with print books there is wear and tear. So it's not a forever asset for them. They are going to buy that book. If it's checked out a lot, the shelf life is is not very long. And especially if you're a self-published author, I don't know about you, but I'm not doing hardcovers because it's just, it's another ISBN I have to assign. Uh, it's not a very fast moving object. And if I'm honest, nobody's really doing very good hardcovers at uh, print on demand type of situation. So up to the point where I am prepared to order large uh, print runs, I'm not going to be doing hardbacks. And I look forward to the day when I can, but right now I'm not selling enough books to make it uh, the optimal decision. However, when you do, and you're able to do a large print run, if you self-fulfill like I do, then hold those hardcovers in your house and start selling those at 10 to 40% discount. A, you're actually going to get a better, a better rate because hardbacks are just expensive, but B, you can save a lot of money shipping things yourself and all of that different kind of thing. Uh, plus the library obviously is going to pay their own shipping. So um, you can charge them for the books plus the shipping and handling to offset any of that. Great. Bingo, bango, bongo. That's what I've got for you this week uh, is the aspect of going out 
and starting the awareness campaign where you don't have to do hard sales. A lot of this is going to require you to get comfortable with sales. I'm sorry if you don't like that. You're here because you understand that it's the truth. If you're going to be a successful self-published author, you need to be good at some multiple probably uh, aspects of being a sales person. Sucks. I don't like it. I realized that I was really good at selling certain things in my past. Um, and the older I've gotten, the more that I dislike selling. Um, it's probably because I'm entitled. I've been at this for what feels like a long time. Um, I'm going up on two decades of being a writer and, uh, uh, you know, serious about it. There's never a point where I wasn't serious. I didn't know what I know now back then, but I've always put so much effort and energy into it that it feels like after nearly 20 years, I should be able to see some version of a, a finish line. And I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't even see the moment where I live in a self-sustaining ecosystem and it's scary. So I, I know that if you are listening right now and uh, you've been doing this 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, you're like, come on, buckaroo, you know, uh, just keep going. 40 years is a lot of life. 40 years is a lot of life. And so if you're out there and you've been doing this for 40 years and and uh, you're you're still not seeing that finish line, A, I'm sorry, and B, kudos to you for, for keeping at it. Um, I don't really often get religious. I don't even think religious, but I'm thinking 40 years in the desert, right, uh, Moses. And all I can say is that I hope, uh, because Moses got to live like five times as long as I, I did, according to legend, I'm hoping that my time in the desert is is nearly over and I just don't know it. I'm hoping that there's one more sand dune that I have to 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 climb up before I see that yes, all right, we're finally there. And that doesn't that doesn't mean I'm a millionaire celebrity success uh talking to Oprah Winfrey and and um whoever else talks to authors, Reese Witherspoon. I don't actually want to be uh picked for her book club. I would actually feel like I'd done something wrong. She likes very romantic silly books. Um Sorry if you've been picked for her book club and, and I am misinterpreting it. But from what I've seen, it's it's kind of rom com It's sort of like the rom-com army, the rom carmy. <laughs> uh, I hope I just coined a new term, the rom carmy. Definitely not. It's it's not very catchy. Oh, that does remind me. I wanted to ask you, uh, I have been realizing that there are a few people out there who are particularly good. And I'll go uh, shout out Rich again. I've been shouting you out a lot lately, Rich. Just saying. Uh, he's got his insomniacs. Um, I think that's what they're called. And it, it, you know, it might, it might, it might be something slightly different, but anyways, it's still, it's the great, it's a great name for people who listen to bedtime stories for insomniacs. Um, and, and like having a name for his readers and his group so that you have this, this feeling of belonging. Uh, and then you've got, um, the, the wolf pack for Jonathan and Jennifer Yanez. Uh, such a cool thing, like to be part of the wolf pack. And so I was trying to think like, what do I want people to to call themselves who who read my books? And I was thinking for one, I do like the Luke and Time Mysteries, but ultimately I do write more than the Luke and Time Mysteries. Um, and, and so I was like, you know, like, could we be the Taburmies? No, that's stupid. It's absolutely awful. I don't have a good, I'm terrible at making up names. So if you want to volunteer a name that you think would be great, you're like, I've been listening to TRBM forever. I've read all your books. I'm your big fan that you don't know about, like Bob. My name's Bob and I'm a big fan. And I want to be called the whatevers, you know, the blanks. Then cool. Shout me out. Throw that comment in the show notes, wherever you're listening, viewing, 
let me know if there's a great obvious name that I'm not, because I'm not very good at that. I'm terrible at it. And I would love to just be like, Hey, this is what we are. Thanks to, you know, Bob who listens to this podcast. Alrighty. That truly is all I have got for you. And probably more than I even had to have. Uh, I look forward to seeing some of you in the coming months as I'll begin traveling to hawk my books at different book fairs and things like that uh, and through library tours and and all of the fun that's going to come as I mobilize and get my butt out the door and onto the streets. I'll let you know where I'll be. Let's meet up. Let's grab a coffee. You're buying. (laughs) We'll talk to you again Wednesday. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?